1: Here we are, The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. We're going to get to commendations in just a moment, but, um, well, I, honestly, why don't we just go ahead? And Those of you that are kind enough to hold, if you continue to hold, I promise I'll get to you as soon as we're able, at least those of you that are interesting. If you're not interesting, maybe we won't get to you. Well, why, not, why delay any further? Let us proceed with... The Other Side of Midnight presents... I must con- commend John Lolly. John Lolly is uh, a fascinating man. He is an ex con, and he is uh, unabashedly a, a former criminal. And he was on his third gravel delivery of the day Saturday morning. When he saw flashing police lights in the rearview mirror of his pickup truck, and immediately he thought he was being pulled over. This is a man who has had serious run-ins with the law. So he slowly pulled over to the shoulder of the highway. But it wasn't Lolly that police were after. Officers had identified a stolen car and tried to make a traffic stop. But their 19-year-old suspect, unrelenting, took off fast on a busy Houston artery. Then out of nowhere, it sounded like an explosion. He saw a car flip over. He saw a tire in the air. The suspect had crashed into other cars, six or seven of them. Um, and it disabled the stolen car, and it stopped traffic Across the main lanes of the freeway. After seeing all this unfold, Lolly thought, okay, that's it. I've seen everything. The delivery driver was only five minutes from his destination, but he knew that with traffic blocked, he wasn't going to get there on time. So to prove to his boss why he'd be late, he started recording (laughs) the aftermath of the crash on his cell phone and he got out of his truck. Makes sense so far, right? You're going to be late. You're obviously in the middle of standstill traffic. You got to show video. You don't want them to think you're a slacker or lying. Well, also stepping out of his vehicle at the collision site was Houston police officer Jonathan Gibson. And he shouted commands to the suspect. But the teenager didn't listen. Instead, the suspect fired a gun. Lolly heard the shots and knew what was going on. This was more than just a police chase. He crept around his truck and made his way towards the back. Then he saw it. Gibson, Officer Gibson, who never fired his own gun, took a bullet to the leg. So... Uh, Lolly, who'd once been shot in his leg, knew exactly what Gibson was enduring in that moment. And though he'd often found himself on the other side of encounters with police, the delivery driver knew he had to act. The suspect wasn't subdued. Still, Lolly, this ex-con, headed toward the wounded 29-year-old officer. This is while there's an armed gunman who's shown a willingness to shoot cops on the loose. So he gets to him, he snatches him up by his vest, and he and another cop dragged him to the back of Lolly's truck. The whole time, Lolly's cell phone kept recording. And uh, you could see this. He said, he kept telling the officer, you're okay, bro, you're okay. Breathe." And as more police patrols arrived, the suspect left the stolen car and tried to get inside another vehicle. Lolly just kept trying to calm Officer Gibson down. This is all captured on this incredible cell phone video. Another officer ordered the suspect to put down the gun. Again, the suspect didn't listen. Blocking all that out, this there's, uh, there's armed suspect... Who's shooting at people, refusing to put his gun down. And with all that going on, Lolly is just reassuring Gibson, who was the dad of a 20-month-old, that he had no intention of leaving his side. And this is all on video. Hold my hand. You're going to be okay. Hold my hand. This goes on for about 10 minutes. Officer Gibson is wincing and grunting as Lolly keeps talking and a good Samaritan jumped into water uh, and and Lolly gets personal he says I've I've been to prison twice man I've been to state jail once the last time I was locked up they offered me 25 years man I had no choice but to get out and change my life and I'm here with you like it was my calling to be here with you today and as the suspect exited a second car Officers fired their weapons at him. He ran to yet another car, but appeared to be hurt and fell to the ground. Still ignoring the police officer's commands, the suspect loaded another magazine into his gun. Officers fired at him again, this time striking him more than once. He was taken to a hospital and pronounced dead. Officer Gibson was also rushed to a hospital and... um, He's in stable condition, and he's expected to make a full recovery. But I really want to focus on the actions of this man, Mr. Lawley. This is someone who should be celebrated. And the police chief in Houston declared at a news conference that um, he should be celebrated, acknowledging the crimes and convictions in his past. He said, the police chief, people make mistakes. But a truly reformed individual is a person that we can use. And he stepped up and other citizens stepped up. And I don't want that to get lost. And Lolly, for his part, never thought twice. He said it has nothing to do with them being a cop. I don't have to like you. I just know that he's shot and he's going through it. And in the end, Lolly said he was just in the right place, at the right place, in the right time. I love that story. I mean, I feel terrible that the cop was shot, but I love this guy came up and stepped up for a stranger and a cop. Someone he would have every reason to take issue with. I want to commend Max Verstappen, the winner of the Las Vegas Grand Prix Formula One. I don't watch really any sort of car racing, but I I like the idea of Formula One. I contemplated watching a little bit of this race over the weekend. I didn't end up doing it, but I thought about it. And that doesn't take anything away from uh, Max Verstappen's incredible performance. He, This man is one of the best Formula 1 racers in the world. And uh, this is his 18th win in 21 races. God bless him. Man knows how to drive a car, that's for sure. I want to commend... Uh, Baby Milan Amore, and I don't know if they want their last name used, but this is actually the um, child of my cousin-in-law, Ashley, and her husband, Brendan. Just born, and this is the first grandchild of a great guy, guy that's not just a family member, but also my jeweler, Frankie Kravitz. Some of you may hear uh, Sid Rosenberg mention Frankie Kravitz from time to time. He's a great guy. And, um, you know, uh, Frankie's daughter, Kim, calls into this show once in a while. She's a terrific reporter in New Jersey. And uh, it's really just such a wonderful family. You talk about a family that looks like a family of models. It's the Kravitz family. I mean... um, Frankie, his wife Lenora, the their two beautiful daughters, and then, not surprisingly, both of them end up with guys that look like male models. And uh, this baby, little Milan Amor, I'm sure will have g- great genes going for uh, going for her. So that's uh, that's wonderful. But I uh, couldn't be more excited for Frankie. When I saw him last to pick up a bracelet for my wife. He was telling me how excited he was for, you know, for Ashley to become a mom. And so I'm pretty happy for them as well. So commendation to you, baby Milan Amor. Uh, I want to give a posthumous commendation to former First Lady Rosalind Carter. She's passed away at the age of 96. So much has already been said about Rosalind Carter, and I think it's all true. This is one of the longest... She was married to Jimmy Carter for 77 years, 77 years out of her 96 years. And apparently she was the more political out of the two of them. And if you think of somebody that embodies Christianity and charity, I think of Rosalind Carter. And she also established a whole new precedent for first ladies. She established the office of the first lady. She worked side by side with her husband as an equal partner. She actively pursued her own agenda. And then after they left office, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, they did so much great work with Habitat for Humanity and the Carter Center. They've helped a lot of people. And this was an extraordinary woman who seemed to love her family her church, her country, and people. And uh, she's going to be missed. Seems like a great person. And condolences to the whole Carter family. I want to commend um, all the people that won the baseball awards. A lot of great folks. But I especially want to give a commendation to Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani was selected as the American League MVP for baseball, unanimously. In doing so, he has become the first ever two-time unanimous MVP winner. This man, as I said on Friday during Ask Frank Anything, this man may go down in history as the greatest baseball player of all time. And he's well on his way. I mean, you know how difficult it is to be named the MVP unanimously once? That means everybody that gets to vote recognizes this is the most valuable player in the league. There's not one person that feels somebody else was more valuable. Not one. And to do it twice? Absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Shohei Ohtani, I do commend you. I also want to commend the mayor-elect of Wichita. Oh, yes, Wichita, Kansas, one of the 50 largest cities in the United States. She's a young woman, only 39 years old. She's an immigrant, which I love, came to the country legally and, you know, sought about pursuing the American dream. She's a political novice, which I love, and... She's a registered member of the Libertarian Party. She is the first Asian-American mayor in Wichita's history. She arrived in the U.S. from Guatemala when she was eight years old. She was the first person in her family to attend college. And for the last 12 years, she's been a local TV reporter. I think this is just wonderful. I think we're about to see, I don't know if collapse is the right word, But I really do think we're about to see a realignment of the conventional two-party system. If time permits, I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But the fact that one of the 50 largest cities in America could elect a third-party candidate as mayor, I find it remarkably impressive. And I think there's going to be a lot made of this woman being a, a trailblazer and a pioneer for Asian Americans, which, of course, she is. But this is also a pioneer and a trailblazer for... Those of us that are political independents that want to see more third-party candidates elected to public office. So I think this is great. I uh, also want to commend Pink. Yes, the singer Pink, the Grammy-winning singer, has been handing out banned books. Um, she indicated she would be handing out banned books in the state of Florida and she said, books have held a special joy for me from the time I was a child. That's why I'm unwilling to stand by and watch while books are banned by schools. It's no secret, Florida has become the center of the book banning debate. And I I hate banning books. I'm a free speech person. And I love that uh, she's giving away these books. Some of the books that she's giving away are Toni Morrison's Beloved, Uh, Todd Parr's The Family Book, Stasia Deutsch's Girls Who Code, and the poem recited by Amanda Gorman at uh, President Biden's inauguration, The Hill We Climb. Whatever you might think about those specific works, I think it's just, I I feel the same way about this to some extent that I do about the attempts to censor that um, Tennessee shooter's manifesto Feel the same way I do about the attempts to censor bin Laden and his letter that he wrote to America. The solution is very rarely censorship. I think the solution is more information. Get it out there. Have a conversation. I don't think suppression and banning, especially book banning, is the way to go. It's something they do in totalitarian regimes. It shouldn't be something we do in America. I also want to commend statins. Yes, that's right, statins. Maybe some of you take them for cholesterol. Statins are among the world's most commonly prescribed drugs. The number of U.S. statin prescriptions jumped from 461 million in 2008 to 818 million in 2019. And cholesterol-lowering drugs are a big business. According to a recent study, U.S. statin expenditures reached $10 billion. And now the blockbuster statin class of drugs could get even bigger because a new report finds that statin use can reduce the risk of death from breast cancer. This is in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And this is one of those things where they never really intended statins to be used for breast cancer, but they found that people with breast cancer who were on statins they had a lower incident of death so we don't necessarily know why there are some theories, but statins I do commend you Uh, penultimately I want to commend President Joe Biden he is turning 81 today he has turned 81 today I'm not a supporter of President Biden. I did not vote for him and I'm uh, not going to vote for him again. But I. 81, the oldest president we've ever had. That's something for the history books. And I really want to wish him well and the best of health, because not only for him and his family. And um, that's certainly very important. But for the country. You know, President Biden has, at times, seemed frail. And he seems like he is a lot older at times than 81 years. I really hope he's doing the right thing for himself and his family by continuing to move forward with a presidential campaign. But more so than that, if, God forbid, anything were to happen to President Biden... I really do think the country would be much worse off being left in the hands of President Kamala Harris. So on his birthday, on his 81st birthday, I want to wish him a long and healthy and, yes, happy life. So happy birthday, Mr. President, the oldest American president in history. And finally, I want to I want to commend Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee is the celebrity chef. You might remember her when she was the state's first girlfriend. She is celebrating life after undergoing a series of traumatic physical surgeries. It was very well publicized back in 2015 that she had a double mastectomy following a battle with breast cancer. Last year, she also had a hysterectomy. Well, now... The ex-girlfriend of Governor Cuomo has posed nude in the book New York Moves, a coffee table book to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the magazine's Moves Power Women Gala. I really think this is wonderful because uh, Sandra Lee is a beautiful woman, and she's in her late 50s now. I believe she's 57. And, you know, we have a society that so often seems to venerate youth. And I know so many women that are quite beautiful, quite sexy, and they get to an age and they see that all the magazine covers are these 20-somethings. And you're left to feel like once you hit a certain age, you almost don't count. They should move you to a leper colony. Um, Additionally, I've known several women that have had breast cancer and a couple that have had these double mastectomies. In addition to the substantial physical toll that a double mastectomy takes on you, it really does take quite an emotional toll on you. And uh, I I'm, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know. For so many women, breasts are such a part of their identity as a person and as a woman. And it can be a very... Sad is not even the word. They view it as losing a piece of themselves to have these double mastectomies. And I know uh, people that have had hysterectomies as well that have had a very difficult time. And you feel like you're losing a part of your femininity. I think by Sandra Lee posing nude and looking great, she's sending a message to older women and to women that have mastectomies and hysterectomies that... Yes. Life continues. Life continues. And you could do the right thing by your health and still be beautiful and still be sexy. And I'm glad that she has. And I hope uh, that is a message that more women will internalize. All right. uh, If you want to comment on anyone that I have commended, you're certainly welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. There is one open line. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. birthday bumper music selection from Giuseppe Desareo. Happy birthday to you, Giuseppe. Uh, It is interesting. I I don't pay a lot of attention to the polls because they, uh, for a variety of reasons. But there's one clear trend that is emerging if you look at the polls in the presidential race, which is that uh, President Biden is not doing well. He is not doing well in terms of approval rating. It's hitting all-time low. He's not doing well in a hypothetical matchup with uh, President Trump. He is losing in swing state after swing state, including in numbers that came out yesterday. And he is really hurting among young people. Biden's standing is hitting new lows amidst this Israel-Hamas war. The erosion in Biden's numbers is most pronounced among who? Who do you think? Democrats. Democrats. A majority of Democrats believe that Israel has gone too far in Gaza. Among voters ages, and, and this is, I'm not saying that I believe this, this is what this poll shows, this NBC News poll came out yesterday. Among voters age 18 to 34, 70% of them disapprove of his handling of the war 70%. Now that's enormous. And it's one of the reasons incidentally where I do think that Biden's lifelong support for the Israeli government is 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 done from genuine conviction because even when it's politically dangerous to do he still stands 100% with Israel. He's hurting his own poll numbers. But um there was another poll that caught my eye a Gallup poll from uh, a couple of days ago, support for a third party, a third major political party in this country, has now ticked up to 63%. Nearly 6 in 10 Americans say a third major party is needed because the Democrat and Republican parties do such a poor job. Now, I've talked a lot this year about... um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and what a game changer I think his candidacy is going to be. I think the fact that you're seeing so many progressive young people abandon Biden over the issue of the Middle East, I think that does provide an opportunity for either Jill Stein or Cornel West to make some headway. But a lot of folks believe that the real opportunity is going to be no labels. And I was at a wake... The other night, and I saw an old neighbor of mine, my friend Stuart, and he was saying, you know, he doesn't like either of the, he he voted for Trump, and I think, you know, he's leaning towards Trump if it's a Trump-Biden race, but he's saying, you know, he doesn't really like either of those candidates. He'd like someone new other than Trump or Biden, and he said, you know, is there a more honest guy a more centrist guy a more moderate guy than joe manchin now i would have a problem voting for joe manchin even though i do like a lot of what he does and says just because uh, on the foreign policy i think he would be largely a continuation of the failed foreign policy that we've engaged in especially these last 20 years but it's a subject for another day so they're talking about joe manchin running As the no-labels presidential candidate. They're already on the ballot in about 12 states, and they're rapidly qualifying in state after state. And the way it works, if you're not up on this, is it's a Democrat and Republican that would have to run together. So he would have to have, if he was the presidential candidate, that have to be a Republican running mate. The names that get mentioned most frequently are people like Larry Hogan, people like um, John Huntsman. And Manchin did nothing in any of the media appearances since he announced he's not running for re-election to the Senate to tamp down speculation that he is thinking about running, he was on the uh, Cats Roundtable yesterday talking about what he thinks this country needs and what that means for him.
3: Listening uh, audience, uh, they got to be they got to be scared about the whole border situation, and I tell Democrats. You have got to secure the border. I tell Republicans, we've got people here that if they had a visa, a worker visa permit, and let them work and pay for their own keeping and basically pay taxes, it would be a benefit while we're waiting to adjudicate them. But right now, I know in New York what's happening, you're all paying millions and millions of dollars trying to house and keep people off the streets and this and that. And it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And we've got Democrats and Republicans fighting over the minutiae. Oh, it's inhumane to secure the border. Well, my goodness, you can't have a superpower of the world unless you secure the borders. And the people that come here, everybody says, well, the Republicans, throw them all out. Well, you're not going to be able to round all those people up, but at least you can make them sign up to work. And then if they're not working, then you can go after the people that came for the wrong reason. But we're going to have to look at some common-sense solutions.
1: And that seems to be, if there is a candidacy, that seems to be his mantra, common-sense solutions. So I've followed the no-labels movement, and we've had a lot of people from no-labels on this show. Uh, Joe Lieberman, Admiral Dennis Blair, uh, Ryan, uh, the, the fella that's the communications director for no-labels, who um, Ryan, Ryan Clancy. And... I find it intriguing. Again, my my fear is that it's a little too corporate-friendly for me. I, I like people that are anti-establishment. No labels, while I do like a lot of their messaging, no labels to me is a little too establishment, if that makes sense. Fascinating article over the weekend. That no labels, a an organization that has really alarmed some Democrats because they're afraid that it might siphon off votes for biden and help elect trump they contemplated according to the associated press they contemplated requiring a donation of at least a hundred dollars in order to cast a ballot at the group's upcoming nominating conventions that's according to documents obtained by the associated press the idea which breaks pretty dramatically from longstanding norms would raise a significant hurdle to participating in this. And uh, they have chosen not to go forward with this. They're not going to require people, if you want to be a no-labels delegate, to pay $100. You are able to participate for free. But that was very interesting. I mean, I don't know how much of that is the media wanting to torpedo no-labels because they're fearful that it might hurt Biden, but I think it is interesting that they were apparently seriously considering that $100 fee to vote, basically a poll tax. So lastly, on the third-party third, third party front, you know who's running for, candidate, for Congress now as a third-party candidate? Jacob Chansley. Do you know who Jacob Chansley is? I'm betting you don't. I'm betting if I tell you what he's best known for, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. the QAnon shaman, is running for Congress in the state of Arizona. Oh, yes. Running as a libertarian in Arizona. 35 years old. This is the guy that was wearing the horns on January 6th and was arrested, went to prison, gave a... A statement of remorse, but when he was on Michael Smurkindish's show on CNN on Saturday, didn't sound very remorseful about his role on January sixth. This is what he said: "You took full responsibility. You said men of honor admit when they're wrong." not just publicly but to themselves I would like to use this as an opportunity to admit to your honor to the prosecution to the nation I was wrong for entering the Capitol. I have no excuse no excuse whatsoever the behavior is indefensible that was before you did the time how do you feel today there's no defense for breaking the law unless it's an unjust law and there are unjust laws just as there are unjust men So he left himself a little wiggle room there. He didn't just simply say, yeah, I regret it. And then he went on. They went back and forth for about two minutes. But uh, the QAnon shaman running for Congress in Arizona. There you go. See, we've done stories about political comebacks. That would be quite a comeback. A little bit different than what we were talking about before. Not quite Nelson Mandela, but it, it is interesting. 800 Mike is in Bayside. Hi, Mike. Hi, Frank.
0: I just want to remind the younger people in our country of what happened in 1977. I was a young man with three kids, a house. They were in private schools. My wife didn't work and my company moved back to Italy, Mm. all because of the Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter Democratic Administration. The interest rates were were, banking interest rates were 19%. Unemployment was 10%, and inflation was 14%. The mullahs of iran invaded our embassy and took 50 hostages jimmy carter's administration democratic could not get them back the day that reagan got elected in 1980 the mullahs let the Hostages go because they knew Reagan. Well, again,
1: uh, I I know the history uh, pretty well too. Well, but you know, again, I want to go down.
0: People don't.
1: Well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, we've talked about the Iranian hostage thing um, quite a bit, and there's some new information out about that, about John Connolly's role in that whole thing, which leads another element of that. But you know, I'm not going to defend any of the uh, Carter administration policies. I will say, uh, and thanks for the call, Mike. Two things. One, even if Jimmy Carter was not a good president, and I would agree that he was not, then that doesn't take anything away from what kind of a person Rosalind Carter was in terms of redefining the role of the modern first r- first lady. I also don't think it takes anything away from what the two of them have done since leaving the White House in terms of being a model for philanthropy and for activism and helping the underprivileged. I think there's a lot to admire about them. And, you know, it's funny. There were two statements about Rosalind Carter yesterday that I think really struck a chord with me. One was from Donald Trump and one was from Joe Biden. When was the last time those two had a statement that they agreed on the same person for anything. This is what Donald Trump put out on uh, Truth Social yesterday. Melania and I join all Americans in mourning the loss of Rosalind Carter. She was a devoted First Lady, a great humanitarian, a champion for mental health, and a beloved wife to her husband for 77 years. Over a life spanning nearly a century... Rosalind Carter earned the admiration and gratitude of our entire nation. Completely agree with him. I think that statement is right on the money. And then Biden had a similar statement that he put out there as well. You know, Donald Trump was never a fan of the Carter administration policies. You don't have to be a fan of his policies to recognize that Rosalind Carter is a pretty special person. 800-848-9222. Steve's in Brooklyn. Hi, Steve morning frank morning i wanted to comment on your
4: question earlier what can you do to make the bring up topic of politics at the table better sure have you ever read how to win friends and influence people dale
1: carnegie i have yes absolutely
4: (laughs) so if you remember the book he quotes benjamin franklin and and abraham lincoln a lot two people we have to respect no Uh, there's certainly a
1: lot a lot to respect about both of them sure
4: they said, and when you're talking to these people, remember that automatic emotional reactions happen. So Abraham Lincoln said, you have to condition what you say. Like, don't say it like it's, fact- well, I believe this looks like this. This appears to be like this. You know, put a little... You know, it's not definite. You know, like some people come to me and say, "The only way to get to to God is through Jesus." Right. I, I praise what Jesus does for you, but I'm Jewish, okay? And this is a free country. <laughs> now, the other thing that is very important that he talked about, Franklin and and Lincoln, is when you uh, when you when you criticize again, the the right wife will tell you, "I want a clean living room." That's the great wife. The bad wife, the bad politics is get your dirty blankety blank socks off the floor. Ask for what you want. Okay, that's that's it. Don't come. Don't criticize. Don't complain. Ask for what you want. And when you're speaking your side, condition it so that it doesn't, you know, it gives them an out. It's okay. Let's talk about it. And like you said, ask ask questions. Let's talk about it, Frank.
1: I like it, Steve. I like it. Thanks a lot. Happy Thanksgiving.
4: There's a a very good abbreviated book. It's a paperback. I give it to any kid. Give it to Carmine when he learns to read. How to Win Friends and Influence People and How to Enjoy Your Life and Your Job. It's the it's 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 thin. The kids will read it, and it gives them the best of both books. Yeah,
1: no, completely agree. Uh, thanks, Steve. I read I read the book, and I found it very helpful. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joan is in Manhattan. Hi, Joan. Oh, hi, Frank.
2: I wanted to say something positive. A couple of positive things about Jimmy Carter's presidency. <clears throat> Number one, he was the, well, he was the only recent president, maybe one of the first ones, to make human rights a criterion of giving aid to foreign countries. He said, no, no aid for you if you don't respect human rights. And a perfect example of that was Argentina. You remember Argentina, what mm-hmm. they called the Dirty War, La Guerra Sucia, um, and there were lots of political prisoners. And I know one name particularly, there was a, a journalist who was a political prisoner because they didn't like what he wrote. name was Jacobo Timmerman, and there was also a lot of anti-Semitism involved. And he always gave Jimmy Carter credit for saving his life because he was released, he was one of the people released from prison because uh, Argentina could not get um, aid from the United States otherwise. So that's number one. That's a very good thing. Um, and number two, you remember he got a lot of ridicule. Carter did for walking around the White House in a sweater. sweater you remember right. that? Sure. Right. He, he said there's global warming happening. He was the first person to alert us to that. Maybe we need to turn our thermostats down just a little. We're using too much fossil fuels. We're polluting the air and we're destroying the habitability of the planet for us. And nobody took him seriously. Remember, he was ridiculed for yeah, that, and a no, lot of people still don't take it
1: seriously. Look, and I think there's some other- other things that you can mention as well. I, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, his appointment of uh, of Paul Ver- Volcker as the uh, chairman of the Fed was uh, a huge mm-hmm. positive, which, uh, you know, then later helped break the back of, uh, of inflation. I think uh, the fact that he was really the only um, the president in the last fifty years that had no criminal indictments in his mm-hmm. administration and uh, no serious and no, investigation. And no or, well, I mean, there have you? been a couple that have not had the extramarital no, affairs. That's I think true. Bush didn't, and yeah, Obama did. Yeah, thank you, John. I um I I but I, my intention was not to have a debate about the merits of the Carter presidency. And I'll reiterate this again, and, and maybe it's my own failure to articulate this. I think you can despise Jimmy Carter's politics and Rosalind Carter's politics and at the same time have an enormous amount of admiration for her charitable work and the kind of Christian she was and the kind of wife she was, and the kind of mother she was, and the, all the people that she helped through her work with Habitat for her Humanity – so uh, again, I have no interest in at the moment relitigating every single aspect of the Carter presidency. I just think um, she's a pretty impressive person. And uh, as Joan mentioned, Argentina, I did want to congratulate the new president of elect of Argentina, Javier Millet. This guy is a character. This guy. Uh, his his fans, not his critics. His fans call him the crazy and the wig. Those are the people that like him because he's got this unruly mop of hair. He refers to himself as the lion. He thinks sexist, sex education is a Marxist plot to destroy the family. He views cloned. He, he views his cloned mastiffs, his dogs as his children with four paws, and has raised the possibility that people should be allowed to sell their own organs. I happen to agree with that, actually, by the way. Well, I recognize it's a more complicated issue. But he is Argentina's next president. This guy, as I said, putting aside his politics, which seemed pretty libertarian, this guy is a character. He is going to be a combination of Boris Johnson Donald Trump and Bolsonaro all rolled up into one. And I think he actually might be very good for the United States economy because one of the things that he'd like to do, one of the ways that he wants to end the scourge of inflation that is just topping 140 percent in Argentina, and he doesn't want them to be able to just continue to print money, he wants to replace the peso, which is their current policy, with the U.S. dollar. So under his leadership, we may see another country adopt the U.S. dollar, the greenback. So I don't see how that would hurt us. I realize a strong dollar is not good for everybody, but I think on the whole, a strong dollar policy is beneficial. So I am eager to see how this works out. We'll see. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.
4: Other side at midnight with Frank Morano.
1: to the top of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This, of course, is the Eagles Hotel California, a uh, birthday bumper music selection from Giuseppe, who is the chief of staff to city council member David Carr in the New York area, and a great guy. But um, if you want to comment on anything we're talking about, go ahead and do so, 800-848-9222. When I left you on Friday, I told you I was looking forward to Making some progress on chopping some wood over the weekend because I have a wedge, you know, these wood splitter wedges. If you're not familiar with it, it's basically kind of an axe handle. And you put it into a log and then you take a sledgehammer into the wedge and you split the log. And I got to say, I love it. I don't get a lot of exercise, not nearly as much as I should. But it's great exercise. You work up a little bit of a sweat and you really take out all of your aggression and you feel like you're doing something productive. You actually see the concrete results or the wooden results of your your work. But we had taken some logs from the tree, some trees that were taken down across the street. I am used to chopping a larger log, meaning a wide log. These logs must have been from trees that are narrow because, like, I expected to have a hard time with these logs because they haven't dried out yet, so they've still got wood in there, so they're tough to split apart and they're heavy because of all the water that's still in there. But I thought I could still handle that with the brute strength. The narrowness of these logs made it almost impossible to chop. So I'm going to uh, leave it to, I may have to use a chainsaw, which I hate to do, but I, I don't see any way to use this wedge to split these very narrow logs. If anyone does know a, a, a wood splitting with a wedge, that's the key, method to split it when they're this narrow, let me know because I don't think there is. I think the laws of physics are the laws of physics. I think I'm just going to have to use a uh, a chainsaw, which whatever you got to do what you got to do. I think you can rent one from a hardware store for a, for twenty dollars or so, and that I mean that I would could do that in a few minutes. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Sal is on Long Island. What's on your mind, Sal? Hey
0: Frank, uh, good morning. Uh, I'm a little bit confused the new speaker because he says that he's going to release about forty thousand hours of footage of january sixth.
1: Am I hearing him correctly or how long did january sixth last? Well, you know, it's a lot of different angles, Sal, of, uh, you know, there's different cameras showing the same events from different angles. You know, I tweeted, I retweeted a tweet from Michael Tracy, some footage of um, the January 6th protests over the weekend that I thought was very interesting and it's something that hadn't been shown before. I say let, let it all out. Show everything. whatever. Let the sleep, wherever they go, they go. Keep asking questions.